Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Just quickly, we, um, I, th- I think Alyssa talked a little bit about spiritual transformation. We're going to do another night. We're going to do six or seven of these nights throughout the year when we just get together. And, and we want to focus everything on spiritual transformation, not just, not just those evenings. Those evenings are just kind of a touchstone to get together, to fellowship, to worship, and just sort of say, okay, this is what we're doing together, but we're a family gathering together. So we'll do that on June 21st on Tuesday night, and I think it's going to be at 6 o'clock, but we'll remind you as we get closer. And so come, we're just going to have a great meal, and we're going to focus on some worship and share some testimonies and just encourage each other for a while here at the beginning of the spring or the beginning of the summer. I don't want to say summer yet. It's still spring. Right. Thank you. Spring lasts until about August, then summer starts. Um, but June 21st, uh, yeah, put that in your notes and, uh, and let's come and have a great time that night. All right. So we do want to share a few things, though, from that idea and the vision of, of spiritual transformation. There are a few categories that we've kind of honed in on. Um, and these are not just our, our ideas. These are foundations of the church and biblical foundations for millennia. So, and, the, and the, 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 basically the areas of spiritual transformation we want to focus on, and we think it touches really every area of life, is being a new creation. God comes and through Christ makes us a new creation. Another one is the lordship of Christ submitting ourselves to his authority and his lordship, practicing that, learning about that. Uh, another is discipleship, which is kind of related, but, but discipleship really covers everything. Uh, Dallas Willard talks about being an apprentice to Christ, and so really learning from him, from his teachings, and from the apostles, and from the early church, and the lifestyle that, that those people led. So we want to become an apprentice to Christ, not just, I believe in Christ. Uh, another one is uh, loving others. It's important. I mean, Jesus said if you have all these other things but not love, we're, we're a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And so somehow we want to let love be the measure of maturity, be a measure of maturity, and challenge ourselves in that. So we grow in loving others. We want to help each other in that, encourage each other in that. Uh, another is stewardship. Uh, stewarding things in our life, our resources, our time, our energy, our bodies, our, our workplaces, our gifts and talents. There are only a few things, if you think about it, that we steward. And so what we want to do is just continue to hold these things before us as the year goes along and always come back to them, different er, di- these different areas. But stewardship is also one of them. And uh, finally, purpose and calling. Isn't it great to live with purpose? And isn't it great when you have a vision for something and a purpose, even if it's just a day? It's like, and you feel you've accomplished it. Well, we believe God wants us to live with purpose and calling. And we believe that God has made each one of us unique with gifts and talents and strengths that that he'll fulfill his purpose through us. And so we want to hold that before us as well, purpose and calling. There is one final one, the seventh one, which is basically kingdom living or living missionally. 
And that's sort of getting our mind around the whole thing and seeing our life, not just as our story, but as his story, as God's story. And let him unfold that for us in the kingdom of God and the family of God. So those are the seven categories. That's not the message today. Steve just asked me if I would sort of reintroduce those things and just discuss those. Uh, but one thing, it's interesting that he, that he asked me to do that. One thing is just looking at it, I thought, well, this does relate to the message because if you do all these things, you actually can do all of these things and, and it just be an act of duty or, an act, or a checkbox, Right? I mean, we can do that. We're pretty good at that. You know, give me a checkbox, man. I'll get it accomplished. And, but that's not what faith is. That's not what the life with God is. The Pharisees tried to do that, right? And that's just cleaning the outside of the cup, isn't it? You, you know, so you probably remember some of these verses. Clean the inside of the cup, not, not the outside. So these things we don't want to do um, with just a, you know, an act of duty or a sense of being compelled to do it. We want to do it with the power of God, and we want that to be transforming. So I want to talk about really one word today, but, but, but two, two in a way. To be transformed, I believe things happen in our lives that, that are transcendent. And God is transcendent. God is also imminent. And I have some definitions for these words. These are theological, philosophical words, but they're very important to our faith. And so I went to Webster's Dictionary, and the definitions are so great because they just explain it simply for us. So imminent is being within the limits of possible experience or knowledge. Very simple, right? Imminent. But transcendent, the opposite of that, or certainly more than that, look at this. There were five definitions for transcendent. So one, exceeding or surpassing usual limits extending or lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience being beyond the limits of all possible experience or knowledge transcendent two more from from Merriam Webster being beyond comprehension being beyond the universe and material existence all right we're going to dive in from there because I want to look at transcendent. I don't think it's a word we probably use a lot in our faith. I mean, I don't know. I don't, we don't really say those words. But the reality of them in our faith is extremely important. So I want to blow this up today so that hopefully we can just kind of look at ourselves and our lives and go, okay, where am I in this imminent transcendent experience with God? And I'll give you some examples to, to sort of hold on to. When I was in college... I was, um, I was a photographer for my college. I loved it. It was a work-study program. I got, to, I got to shoot football, basketball, baseball, uh, and other things. <laughs> a lot of other things. But the sports, photographing sports was just awesome. I had a boss in my, and, and my, he was a mentor, actually. You couldn't, by the way, just go to Google and YouTube and learn how to be a photographer. You had, someone had to teach you. And so Don Norsworthy was my mentor. Great man of faith. He taught me so much about uh, photography and life. One day I walked in after a Saturday night football game. I walked into his office Monday morning, and I was just hanging my head. Oh, this is, this is a rookie mistake. By the way, you had to put film in cameras back then? Well, guess what I did? I shot the whole game. Man, I was so, man, I was on the sidelines. I was stoked. All these great photos, no film in the camera. 
there's only one game Saturday night, you know. I come in his office and I'm looking at the floor. He goes, Derek, he said, tell me what you've done and I'll tell you how many times I've done it. Thank you. Just grace to me in that moment. He taught me about light. He taught me about how to get the most out of the position where you are. Um, the, the place from which you view the subject matter. He taught me about aperture, depth of field. And depth of field is something that I think can help us this morning. Because when, you're, when you take the a lens, for example, and you open that aperture as wide as it'll go, f2.2, some lenses, you, the more expensive lens, 1.5. You open that really wide, you get a lot of light, but your depth of field becomes very narrow. And here's a photo made with a shallow depth of field. It's called a shallow depth of field. So you can see what's in the foreground, but you can't really focus. You can't really see uh, clearly what's in the background. That's called a shallow depth of field. If you take that aperture and tighten it down, F22, you get it really tight. There's not as much light, but you get an image like this where the whole thing is in view. You can not only see things in the foreground, but you can see things in the background and that are in focus. And so I believe that we should sort of use this sort of analogy, let this carry this idea of eminent and transcendent for us today. Do I see only the things that are right before me? Only the things that are eminent? Jesus came in, in the flesh as a man. That's very eminent. But is that, is that all of God? There's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Jesus came to show us who He is But there's transcendence in the background that we need to go for. We need to understand and let the Spirit move in these ways in our life. Does that that make sense? All right. So we're going to look at the transfiguration today. Um, Let's read this from Matthew 17. So if you have your Bibles, you turn page, uh, page, yeah, page 1,856. Uh, Matthew 17, the transfiguration. Just listen to this. And let's, let's listen to these details, and then we'll talk about some of them. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold... There appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make a tent here. One for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And the word says, while he was still speaking, while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Okay. Now, they're going up this mountain. I don't think Jesus told them. He doesn't say. Probably didn't tell them what was going to happen. This was a surprise event. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll see 
Almost everything is a surprise event. It's important. They go up the mountain. Can you imagine sitting there? You're with Jesus. His face starts to glow. I have to guess only one of the disciples saw that first. His face starts to glow like the sun. Like the sun. Have you looked at the sun lately? Can you look at the sun? No. So you have to imagine one of the disciples is like, hey, Peter, <laughs> backing up. Hey, man, what's, what's wrong with him? And then his clothes became white like light. Bright as light. Is this eminent or transcendent? I mean, I don't have to insult your intelligence. I don't want to. This is transcendent. And, and, then G, and then Peter's like, hey, wow, this, now this is amazing. But I tell you what, I want to get involved. Jesus, I'll build some tents. Jesus, I'll build one for you and for Moses and Elijah. And the, the word says, behold. This is, this is a powerful word. This is like, you're cruising along, you're wanting to talk, I'll help you out here. Behold, overwhelming them is this cloud. So Peter... He was interrupted by this experience. There's more to come here. And this is the presence of the Father, the presence of the Spirit. And the Father speaks in these words. Can you imagine? I mean, when you and I speak, words come from this little place right here. But I I imagine when God spoke from a cloud, it's like nothing you and I have ever heard. Where does it come from? How big is His voice? Peter is overwhelmed. They fall to the ground. They're terrified. Terrified. I have to ask, boy, when have I been terrified in my faith? In in such awe that I cannot stand. I want to show you a couple of artists' depiction of this scene. Brian Payne's watching. He's an art major. He's going to love this. I want to show you a couple of Renaissance paintings. Okay, the first one here is Giovanni Bellini, 1480. Giovanni Bellini. What do you notice about that painting? Anything? What? Ah, good, thank you. You get a Starbucks card. Let's look at another one. Then we'll have, I bet then we'll have more input. So this one is by Tiziano. Tiziano Vicelli. Another Italian painter about 80 years later. Hmm. Now wait a minute. Let's go back to the other one. That's too peaceful, she says. Okay. Look at this. I mean, I mean, here's here's Titiano's. And I mean, look, Jesus is like way above us. Look at the stone, look at the giant tablet in Moses. He's representing the law. Elijah Elijah represents the prophets. That's transcendent. That's a transcendent perspective. Look at this though. I mean, this is like, I think the farmer's market's happening in the background. 
Um, I'm almost eye level with Jesus. Look at Jesus' gestures. My fish was this big. Look at this. Yeah, right. I mean, look at the disciple on the left. He looks like he might be saying, hey, could I? I need to run and get some tomatoes were on sale. I mean, the one over there looks like he's reclining. I mean, they're not even up on the mountain. So it's a good thing these artists are dead, because I can tell you right now, Giovanni had a total imminent view of God. Even Christ, it appears to me. But Tiziano, look at the fear in the disciples. Man, uh, go look these up later if you want to look at them more. But I just think they're a, they're a great illustration for us or an analogy for us. What's my perspective? What's my perspective? Is it completely imminent? I, I, I can tell you because we're in the West and because we're 2,000 years from these events, yes. And I can speak for all of us. The vast majority of our experience with God is imminent. Prove me wrong. (laughs) Let's prove... uh, You see where we're going? Okay. So why would Jesus take these disciples up for this transcendent experience? Audience participation. Why would he take these disciples up? What do you think? I mean, we're we're, we're in, in, in... we're trying to draw some conclusions here. It doesn't say in the scripture why he took them up. He's discipling them. He's going to show them something. Yeah. Yes, no, we can't. Oh, my own? Oh, there we go. Yeah, I, I'm sure that he's going to go and show them something. By the way, he told them later, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone about this. I'm, I'm going to show you something extraordinary, but don't tell anyone about this. He calls us friends. That's a great, a great part of the New Testament that Jesus now calls us friends. Before, there was one priest that went and had a relationship with Christ. Now, it's, now it's, it's each of us who call upon his name. We are his friends. And I believe, if he goes and shows the disciples the, this transcendent experience, I believe wholeheartedly God wants to show each of us transcendent things and the reality of God that is far beyond these things that we can touch, feel, explain, understand, etc., etc. Go back to those definitions. Jeremiah 33, I will show you great and mighty things you have not seen. You do not know. Through the prophet Isaiah, the word of the Lord. I will show you great and mighty things. Remember that, church. I forget that. Because today is just a day where I'm going to go and live and I'm going to eat and I'm going to be with friends and I may even come to worship. But remember... Great and mighty things. These things probably are transcendent. When, I, when, I, when, when the kids were young, we have three kids, Lewis, Davy, Gracie, and uh, they're 21, 18, and 16 now. But when they were really young, we're up the pass 
one Saturday. And I wanted to show them. Uh, how many of you know where the grottos are? You've been to the grottos. Okay, the ice caves. The, 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 it's an amazing place. I mean, there's so much to see at the grottos. And I'm taking my little kids up to see the grottos. And we get there and we cross the bridge. And they see the stream running and they go over. And, and they play in the, in the stream down there where it's just shallow and there's a little bank. And I'm like, all right, let, let's go. No, they're not interested. This, this, these, little, these little pebbles and this shallow water and this nice little easy bank with a little grass and a little dirt, this is perfect for them. And I couldn't get them to go see anything else. And, 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 and maybe that's fine on one hand. They're, they're three and five and eight. But can you imagine 20 years later, we go to the grottos, and they come back to this little shallow place where the water's just easing by. There are boulders up there. You know you've stood on it the size of this church, you know, on the south side of the stream coming down. And if you go in the runoff, if you go when it's running off, boy, you, you feel that power shaking the ground, isn't it? The way the water's coming out of there. Or in the ice caves, it's just like this best cave in the world it's amazing but can can you imagine my kids wanting to play in this little place the father wants to show his children something more let's go so trust me you can leave this little 12 by 12 spot i have more for you i believe god says to us Okay, so how are we going to cover, recover transcendence? I want to give us uh, five ways that I think we can do this. Five ways to recover transcendence. And you're going to think of your own ways. Maybe you've already had ideas right here this morning. And so hold on to those. Write those down. Get your, get your notebook out because I think you're going to want to take some notes. So five ways I think that we can recover transcendence. Okay, number one. Number one, examine our faith experience. I want to encourage us this morning to examine our faith experience. Ask questions like what, like we did earlier. What, what, what portion of my lived experience in this faith is, is imminent and transcendent? You've already begun to examine your faith. And I think that we need to ask those questions. Where am I? Where am I? In this life with God, where am I? Where am I going? Lord, you know, the, one, the centurion, I think, said, Lord, I believe, but help, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe. I love the shallows, even maybe a little bit deeper. But Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to trust you. When you read Scripture, I, I wonder if now when we read Scripture... Tomorrow, we will say, ah, that's transcendent. Ah, I didn't realize that's transcendent. I'm looking for some framework, some, some place to put things. I'm looking, you know, we're, we're studying scriptures to, to learn about Christ our Lord. But I'm always looking for some imminent frame. Are you? And so, I encourage you, when you, when you read scripture, ask that question. Is this imminent or transcendent? Or both? 
some of both. When I read Scripture, do I have this perspective? Or do I have this perspective? You hear me, church? All right. Number two, we may have to lay down self-sufficient patterns and behaviors. May. Remove that word. Scratch that from the record. We're going to have to lay down self-sufficient patterns and behaviors. Sure, God has given you gifts and strengths and talents. Sure, absolutely. But if you're like me, it's real easy to start to depend on those things after some period of time. Because there's my imminent framework. I can depend on these things. But let's, why don't we challenge ourselves? Let's lay down our power. Let's lay down our commitment to our strengths, our devices, our gifts and talents. Such an imminent commitment to those things. Imminent attitudes. How many of you have said this? You've got this. I said it this morning and I heard myself. Good. Okay. But change that attitude just a little bit. God, you've got this. God, you've got this. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Is the Lord Almighty an imminent two words, or is that a transcendent couple of words? The Lord Almighty. I'm still looking for that imminent frame. I think of the strongest thing I can think of. Oh boy. Now go an infinite distance beyond that. The Lord Almighty. Let me read that again. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by, power, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen, church? Wow. All right. Number 17. I'm sorry. Slide 17. Number three. Abide in me. Abide in me. John 15. Uh, Is abide an imminent word or transcendent word? Maybe both. But how often have I put that within an imminent frame? Abide in me. Lord, I did abide in you. I spent half an hour this morning with you. We got to poke at these things. The, the quiet time. Some college ministry is going to send me an email Monday morning, and I know who it's going to be. The, it's a great thing, the quiet time, right? And we've all heard that the quiet time. I need to have a quiet time with God. That's great. That's great and good. But if that is to the exclusion of all other abiding, I don't know. Can we agree that's probably not abiding? There's some deep connection that I believe God has made available to us moment by moment throughout each day. Let's read that from John 15. Just to get an idea. I'll read that for us. Chapter 15. He starts, this is I am the true vine. 
Jesus says in John 15, and we're going to come up to this, by the way, if you're listening in the Daily Audio Bible, uh, I think we're in John 12 today, but pretty soon we'll be crossing John 15. And uh, I just want to encourage you, let's, let's ask, Lord, what is your experience for me? Show me transcendent experience. Show me your transcendent qualities. Your amazing qualities that are beyond my experience, beyond my capacities, beyond my understanding. I think this is one of them. I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And he says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Again, abides. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, I am the vine, you are the branches. And listen to this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And in verse 7, if you abide in me, listen to this church, whoa, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but there are many times when I pray for things, and, and I just pray for things. You're tracking with that? Like, man, I prayed. I prayed for that. I prayed for that. Why is it not done? I prayed for that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Wait, what does abide mean? I'm just, I'm just encouraging us today, church. I'm not here to, to accuse you. You already have an accuser. I'm here to encourage you and spur you on. Let's, let's learn these incredible things of life with God and what it means for us. So I encourage you, uh, let's abide and let's discover the transcendent aspects of this that are beyond my 15, 20 minutes, half hour, hour, two hours. Let's discover what that is. All right. Number four. And these, again, these are just ways. These are just ideas for recovering transcendence. Pursue a spiritual discipline. How many of you have heard of the spiritual disciplines? Okay. They are, you know, it's a really, a, it's kind of a terrible phrase in a way. Go pursue a spiritual discipline. It, it sounds pretty harsh, but I want to reframe that for us this morning just a little bit. The spiritual disciplines, um, in, in the scripture, these things were happening, happening just as a matter of lifestyle. And later on, centuries and centuries later, people began to recognize, oh, these are activities or these are habits that we should also have as followers of Christ. And so someone named them spiritual disciplines. I'd rather call them the habits of Christ. Spiritual disciplines might be fasting, praying, certainly, reading Scripture or studying Scripture, meditating on Scripture. Eh, maybe that's a little deeper. Um, worship, celebration. Um, the Sabbath is a spiritual discipline. But again, discipline is kind of a weird word. The Sabbath was, was a habit of Jesus and his disciples. However, he knew the Sabbath was made for man, 
not, that was his words, not man for the Sabbath. So a spiritual discipline, I would encourage you, go and read, go and, go and find someone. Uh, there are Richard Foster, Dallas Willard. There's some great authors out there talking about those things and how those habits actually help Christ is being formed in us. It's not just happening automatically. The word says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so as I move in some spiritual discipline, and again, not as the Pharisees, not in some imminent frame, but Lord, uh, show me what it means to uh, skip a meal or even for a day or, or longer. Lord, show me. And I guarantee you, if you fast, you will, you will experience most likely transcendent things because you can't even put it into words when, when God shows up because of the faith of his people and something you're doing. And we want this to be in everything that we do. And so we might have to go and, and practice, practice one of these spiritual disciplines or, or several of them in order to let Christ be formed in us in this way or this way or this way. It's a creativity. It's not something that there's some, you know, checking the box. I've done this, 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 and this, and now God owes me all of that. No, it's drawing near to him, and, and his word says that he draws near to us, right? Powerful, so grateful for that. And finally, uh, by the way, a couple of, couple of verses there um, with the spiritual disciplines is be still and know that I am God. Uh, me and some brothers have been pursuing uh, some of these spiritual disciplines, and again, I don't even know if we call them spiritual disciplines, but we're trying to pursue silence at times or solitude do you think jesus ever pursued solitude and and went and prayed in these faraway places where we're removed and withdrawn from people um and and from all like occupation you know it's really hard in this world not to just get away from to be alone uh and get away from others but it's hard to get away from occupations and input and stimulus and all this stuff so uh, but we, we've been, me and five other guys have been just pursuing some of these things with, with God and in fellowship with Him. And, and silence has been kind of a common theme for us to shut my mouth, <laughs> not say anything, be still, and pursue these things in a way that God comes and shows me something. I have a quick silly story for you. This This was a a prompting or an idea I thought that I had, but in hindsight, I realized it was actually the Spirit of God speaking. Simplicity, by the way, is another spiritual discipline. Do you think Jesus had a simple lifestyle? Do you think you have a simple simple lifestyle? That should have been a resounding no, but I know. Yeah, Yeah, no, he had a simple lifestyle. So one day, I, I, I I feel like I'm going, oh, I just need to go and have a cup of coffee and be quiet. Just a cup of coffee. And I went and did it first day, second day, third day. And really it was 15 minutes of just making a coffee. And, and second day I thought, I thought, God, are you telling me to have a cup of coffee? Are you telling me? And, it, and the third day it was clear to me, God was saying, look, just stop what you're doing and just have a cup of coffee and focus on that. Don't make a cup of coffee and open your phone. Don't make a cup of coffee and listen to the DAB. Don't make a cup of coffee and get on your computer. Don't make a cup of coffee and start planning the day. Derek, do you think you could have a cup of coffee for 15 minutes and not think of anything else? I challenge you. It's hard. 
And I did. And I'm telling you, the third day, I'm sitting there. And it was like this just gentle, emerging, peaceful joy came over me. It was simple. It was an act of simplicity where I'm pushing other things away. Do you think God was talking to me while I was doing this? I think He was showing me something great. My life is too complex. My thoughts are too complex. Be still and know that I'm God. And He used a cup of coffee to do that. Like, really, because He gave me taste buds, and this tastes really good. But is this all I'm supposed to be doing? Really? And so challenge the status quo that's what, what's happening in your life. Pursue a spiritual discipline, and I don't know. Um, let, let's let God do this in us. All right, and finally, finally. Um, and by the way, Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom first. Instead of all these other things that I'm seeking... I want to seek all these other things and then go to maybe 15 or 20 minutes of God, Scripture, the Spirit. And, and, and it's counterintuitive. Derek, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added. Like you can't even imagine they'll be added. Peace and wholeness and joy in your soul. Don't we want that? This wholeness that is not fragmented and not scattered and confused and stressed. No, we want wholeness from God. All right, finally, here we go. Uh, number five, make a new personal and corporate commitment to this journey. Uh, I just want to close with that to encourage you to that end. Uh, personal and corporate. I mean, you have to decide, is this something that, that I think God is calling me to examine my life and take some steps here where I allow transcendence, where I think about that, where I'm open to that and open to His power and presence open like Tiziano this is this is this is this is going to be amazing that's hope and expectation and faith and so each of us have to decide if that's us if 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 I need to do that and if you do that don't do that alone don't do that alone do that in community because you're going to need that community and you need to need to express to that community one or two or five people this is what I want to do let's do this And let's do this together. Man, and you tell me about your experience, and I'll tell you about mine, and let's pray, and let's move toward this. So has our faith kind of become way too imminent, way too foreground? We only see what's right here. But recover. Let's recover together in community the wonder of the presence of God, the power of the presence of God, the transcendent qualities of God. Right? Come on, church. I hope you're encouraged this morning. This is new territory. Maybe. Maybe it's new terrain. There's no map. You know, you can look at a topo map. I know where I'm going. I know how high the hills are, how far this is away. This transcendence with God, you just launch in. Lord, come. I need you. You ready to do that with me? Yes. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to call the worship team back up. Here, here are the five, I think. That's all the five of them. Uh, But come up with your own ideas as well and share those with your community, with us, with me. And and let's let's progress in this faith together, church. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. Uh, We're going to come to the communion table. And we have these mics over here. We have just a few minutes. But I'd love for maybe one or two of you, if you have any 
you have a testimony about transcendence or if you have something you feel God's revealed to you today, um, let's have just a couple people come and, and share. And uh, No pressure. doesn't have to be. But if you have something, we want to make the time for that. And then we'll close with a song we sang before the service. We're going to do a couple of choruses and verses of that. The song, I Believe. And I would encourage you as we sing this, there might be some things in the song that are transcendent that we didn't notice before the message. So let's pray. God, thank you for this time and thank you, God, for just this um, this journey that you have us on to be with you and to grow with you. It's so amazing, Lord. So amazing. Lord, open our eyes um, to all that you are. Lord, help us to get our minds off of just things that are right before us, but to think with you, Lord, to think eternally, to think uh, allowing your Holy Spirit to give us guidance, to direct our thoughts, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we want to make ourselves available to you to be transformed into your likeness. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.